The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to the W2M Network to tape with episode 23 of The Kickoff here Thank you for listening, everybody. Good evening or afternoon, whenever you are having the opportunity to do so. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst, once again with you. Joining me, as per usual, my co-host, Mr. Brandon Biscabing. Hey, hey, hey. Eric Watkins. This is the one week I hated to be right. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get to that game here in a few seconds, because there's a lot of controversy coming out of it, as per usual, with a New England Patriots playoff game. <laughs> Our executive producer is the head honcho of the W2M Network, Sean Garmer. I love oh, making fun of you just to say hello. Lord, come on, man. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to do my unemployment, and you people are screwing me up here. <laughs> Accept it. You're one of us. Deal with it, Sean. You're making predictions later, too. Okay. And it is official. Unfortunately, Stephen Err has stepped down from his duties here on the kickoff. But we have already filled the vacancy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the newest co-host to the kickoff, Jason Teasley. Surprise, mother truckers. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. The only thing missing from that was a yippee ki (laughs) I think I would have popped for that. (laughs) <laughs> okay, see, now you never, you never know. I might break it out later on the season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got some championship games to discuss here. All right, normally we open the kickoff with our studs and duds. However, since there were only two games, it seems kind of pointless. So instead, we're going to start with our stud conference championship game, and that is the AFC conference championship game. Ah. <sighs> We kind of talked about this last week, Eric, and that the head wants one thing, the heart wants another, and it ends up the head was correct. (laughs) Yeah, and I nearly had the score right, too. You know, this is a little bit way too Illuminati if you go back to 2007. I'm really not liking this. Why did we have to get involved? (laughs) Final score, 24 to 20 in New England. Patriots come back from a 17-10 deficit at the end of three to advance to the Super Bowl for the 10th time under the Brady-Belichick era. Uh, 10th overall, 8th under the Brady-Belichick era. You're right. The first two were under Drew Bledsoe. No, they weren't. One of them was. One of them was, but the first one was they went up against the 85 Bears. That is right, when they got smacked by Chicago. (laughs) Yep. I completely forgot they they went up against the 85 Bears. Duh, Bears. Duh, Bears. They suck. (laughs) I'll wait for somebody to break that out. (laughs) (laughs) AFC Conference Championship Game MVP, Danny Amendola. Kind of hard to argue that. Uh, with him and his acrobatic, I can put ten toes down in the end zone. <laughs> Eric, you seem a little bitter. Uh, uh, yes. Somebody grab some, somebody grab some more eggs because somebody saw job by wearing a red shirt, not once, but twice the week after that game. 
that still was a punch in the gut. <laughs> I was disappointed. <laughs> I think the worst part for this is looking at the win probability graphic on the website that I'm using for this and seeing <laughs> Jacksonville shaded for most of the third, fourth quarter. <laughs> I haven't drunk enough yet. Could you not? Could you not remind me, please? <laughs> He's not drunk enough for this conversation. <laughs> Brandon, your takeaways from the AFC title game. Yeah, I mean, it was an amazing uh, comeback, but, I mean, it's the Patriots. What do you expect? (laughs) I think we kind of have to talk penalty disparity here, Jason. I mean, the the Patriots get what they get. I mean, it's it's not like the NFL isn't on their side and the refs aren't in their pockets, so... Six flags for 98 yards against Jacksonville, one for 10 against New England, and that was a special teams penalty. Yeah, I mean, you see, everybody's seen the refs congratulating Brady and getting their paydays after the game. That's all I'll say, and I'll leave it at that. Interesting fact for your defense, Eric. You held them to three of 12 on third down. Yes, yes, I'm well aware. I don't know, maybe if Shad Khan sold a soccer team, he could have afforded bigger paychecks to those refs. But maybe <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> okay, before we go too far discrediting New England here, let's go ahead and do mention the fact here that, God, this has to put Brady up there with with Manning in terms of postseason comebacks, doesn't it? You do mean Eli, right? <laughs> you know, the better Manning? <laughs> okay, first of all, you keep dreaming about that Giants fan. All I'm going to say, Eli, Eli owns a better Super Bowl record and owns the Patriots. Enough yep. said. Uh, Eric, I think I screwed up. <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't want to kind of come to their defense, but I did see 18-1 and one for myself. So there is a little bit of credence there. Ugh, just mm. Eli Manning is is Tom Brady's kryptonite. Yeah, he got signed to he got signed to the practice squad of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that meme. I thought that was pretty funny. Well, I mean, we'll talk about this later as I go into my prediction, but. I mentioned 2007 for a reason. The only difference is 10 years later and Blake Bortles. Look, Blake, I respect you. I think you're awesome. I was rooting for you to play well enough to keep your job. But throughout just about the entirety of that fourth quarter, really? Did they put something in your Gatorade to make you forget how to play or something? I'm willing to go with that theory. Here's the thing, though, for Bortles, Eric. 23 out of 36 for 293, no interceptions. Yes, he didn't commit a turnover, which was fantastic. And if you look at those end numbers overall, great. But compare how he started versus how he finished. There were a lot of drives, especially as the Patriots were coming back. There were two, three good opportunities that uh, he could have led the team down the field and put a nail in the coffin. 
I would never count out Brady, unfortunately. I know yeah. we I know we fans, uh, a lot of us as a collective tend to bitch about the fact that New England gets a lot of calls. The fact of the matter is, is when it comes to a quarterback like Brady, he's never really out of a game, though. Nope. No, oh, I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, you can never count Brady out of any game. Mm, if only he would just stick to modeling Ugg boots. Maybe he will <laughs> after the season. I hope so. We'll see how that Here's the rumor goes. Uh, he's already denied that he's going to retire. He's already said he's coming back next season. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> when asked about retirement, he said, why is everybody concerned about my retirement? It's not happening anytime soon. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, but at the same time, he's going to wake up one day and realize, hey, I ain't George Blanda. I got to go. (laughs) If he wins another Super Bowl, there's no way he's done. I mean, he's still performing at, what, 104? Pretty much. Yeah. I'm pretty sure sure his walker is going to be part of the offensive line. I don't know. Maybe they get him one of those like red and blue hurricanes like you see on TV. He'll just have that in his left hand wobbling around and still chuck it 30 yards down the field. (laughs) Which brings me to an interesting point. You know, if if anybody, do y'all know that Terrell Suggs hates Tom Brady? Yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah, it doesn't. And, and if you if if you guys get a chance, please look up the interview that he does, talking about the Illuminati for the Patriots oh, and Tom Brady. Right. I I feel like there's something hilarious about just basically everybody being anti Brady. <laughs> look, I'm stuck in. Oh, I'm stuck in. I, think, I'm stuck I, think in the best the I know play. about hating him. Trust me. Yeah, I think you're he's knows, one of the best in the game, but. I mean, he can't beat Eli, and nope. the and Roger Goodell and him have like um, weird BFF relationship. I don't know. And, and not to mention, and this was thankfully, I can say that I saw him play live when he came to town a few years ago to play the Jaguars. He well, part one of his famous comebacks or really keeping himself in that game was against the Jaguars. Not these Blake Bortles Jaguars. The quarterback at that time was Chad Henney. <laughs> that was only 23-16. to 16. I'm just saying. So what you're saying is he struggles against the Jaguars. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. Unfortunately, he didn't struggle enough. Sadly, no. All right, so that is our stud conference championship game. Let's get to the dud, shall we? Oh, God. Yeah, this one was uh, this one was brutally um, horrific, one-sided. You know, the weird thing that most people aren't going to remember about this, and it is the Philadelphia Eagles advancing to Super Bowl 52 with a 38-7 to win over the Minnesota Vikings. The thing most people aren't going to remember about this game, Eric, is that Minnesota scored first. Yes, oh, yeah. they did. 
and I saw it, and I was optimistic. I'm like, hey, Case Keenum, all right, he's proving me right. I get to do the accent for another couple of weeks and piss off the state of Minnesota even more. <laughs> interception. Don't you know. Then another interception. Yeah. He wasn't a big-time deal, don't you know. <laughs> don't you know. Hmm. 28 out of 48 for 271, a touchdown, two interceptions, one of them pick sixth, and a 63 quarterback rating for Case Keenum. Uh, Brandon, agree or disagree? This performance right here officially seals the fact that Case Keenum will not be the starter in Minnesota next year. More than likely, no. Um, especially with his uh, his big uh, his big ally over there in Minnesota coming to Big Blue. Uh, yeah, he's not going to be the starter in Minnesota. Could he be the starter in New York? No, no, no. hell no. Y'all, no. y'all say that now, but Eli's already been benched once. It wouldn't surprise me to see it happen again. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna chime in on this. Okay, okay. okay one, Ben McAdoo had no idea what he was doing. Yep. Two, as as being from West Virginia and a West Virginia Mountaineer fan, he got benched for Geno Smith, which pissed me off. Um, <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you bench a you you really know that you don't have any clue what's going on with your team when you bench the captain of the team, a two two time Super Bowl winning quarterback of the team, and you let him sit on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, if they had support around Eli, yeah, I can understand. But his whole receiving core went to hell in a handbasket. Yep. Uh, so he, I, I couldn't even. I'm pretty sure once Sterling Shepard came back. The other guys, I'm pretty sure they picked up off the Little Giants movie extras when they were kids. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure they had Featherstone from the replacements out there. <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, having Keanu Reeves' character from the replacements as your quarterback might have been a better option than Geno Smith. Uh, yeah. hey, by God, I would have loved some. I would have loved, loved some Falco. <laughs> Big game Shane Falco. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I will say you are correct to an extent there. The fact of the matter is, is Eli did get replaced by a quarterback who's best known by having a teammate break his jaw in a locker room fight. <laughs> True. Who couldn't, who couldn't even, you know, keep his job for the Jets? <laughs> or Bills for that matters. He didn't have to uh, move his locker. Gino was a Bill, wasn't he? If Gino wasn't IK and then Polly, the guy who punched him out was. He was Bill. Yes, I know for a fact he was because he got cut once Rex Ryan got fired. I, Gino, I don't think Gino was ever a Bill. I could I be wrong, but I don't either. No, I'm not thinking he was. All right, but let's get back to the NFC title game here real quick here, and let's talk about as Philadelphia fans are now calling him Big Bleep Nick. <laughs> it rhymes with Nick. If you're wondering what the bleep is. Yeah, it's. Did I see that story about the Philadelphia fan on the local news? Well, which one? The guy that punched the horse? <laughs> okay, A, why are you. Uh, Philadelphia, never mind. I don't want to know. <laughs> it's Philadelphia. A reporter went up to one of the Eagles fans after the game, and apparently this Eagles fan was incredibly intoxicated. 
And he asked the fan about his opinion on the game. And I quote here, and forgive my language, Big Dick Nick stepped the fuck up. <laughs> Live on air on an interview because Philadelphia. I mean, this is the same Philadelphia that boos Santa. Yeah, and threw snowballs at him. And threw snowballs at him, yeah. To be fair to that fan, 26 out of 33, 352 yards, three touchdown passes, no interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 141.4. Yeah, it's safe to say Nick Foles stepped up. Oh, yeah. Not to to mention also in that fan's defense, we say a lot of crazy things when we're drunk. I'm no exception if you've heard my podcast. (laughs) This is what you get. (laughs) <laughs> yep, but I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be very interesting uh, moving forward, uh, especially if very unlikely, though it may be, especially if they win the Super Bowl this year with Nick Foles. What the hell happens with the quarterback situation in Philly? He goes back to being the backup because you don't lose your job on an injury. Not if you're oh, not not I'm unless you're. Your Let's think. Um, Drew Bledsoe. Tony um, Romo. Um, Wally Pip. That's a baseball reference. How dare you? Still, guy use it. Well, not to mention he wasn't quite injured, injured. He just needed a day off for some reason. Boy, was that a mistake. <laughs> today, 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 I consider myself, myself, myself. <laughs> Sorry, had a moment. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there are. I mean, uh, Jason just said it too. Uh, to- look at Tony Romo last year, and the fact that Drew Bledsoe. I mean, once with injury, and then he stepped aside for Tony Romo with Dallas. In fairness to Romo, Romo's back condition had gotten to the point that he was at the end of his road anyway. True. Mm hmm. And our producer can speak to this as the resident Cowboys fan around here. All right, I'm out. I can't be on this podcast with a Cowboys fan. Don't worry. He only, I, chimes, in, he only chimes in when necessary. I mean, their last Super Bowl is still available on the about, uh, about when the Giants beat him. Like I said, I mean, you know, their last Super Bowl is still available at Sports Illustrated on uh, VHS. (laughs) I was just happy as a Bills fan to finally break the postseason drought this year. Frankly, I'll take that. I I was was cheering for the Bills. Mm -hmm. Mm, Me and Eric had some fun with it week one of the postseason (laughs) here on the kickoff. Oh, that was a fun night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we got snippy with each other that day it was fun <laughs> alright so I'm going to take you guys on a little trip in the way back machine okay Okay. the date is February 6th 2005 it is Super Bowl 39 in Jacksonville Florida hmm I st- I came this close to having tickets, yet my sister wonders why I don't deal with her too much. This close, this close. 
The 16-2 New England Patriots take on the 15-3 Philadelphia Eagles. Brady is still your New England Patriots quarterback. The Eagles quarterback at this time is, in my opinion, first ballot Hall of Famer Donovan McNabb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't argue that. <clears throat> Who, as uh, Eric and I were discussing off-air, still holds the all-time single-game postseason record for passing yards by a quarterback. And he still also holds the record for most times vomited on the field at Everbank. <laughs> Final score, 24-21 here. New England picks up the victory. An Adam Vinatieri field goal from 22 yards with 8 minutes and 40 seconds left in the fourth quarter is the deciding score. Philadelphia gets a 30-yard touchdown pass from McNabb to Greg Lewis to cut the game to three with less than two minutes remaining, and the onside kick, I believe, fails at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so many memories of that game. As a little bit of a factoid, as a somewhat proud alumnus of the University of North Florida, hashtag swoop, that is where the Eagles practiced leading up to that game. If only I could have just stuck around in between classes. I could have seen Terrell Owens in his prime running routes. <laughs> or, am, or in his driveway bench pressing. Also true. <laughs> Looking through the statistical leaders and stuff for both teams here mm-hmm. and finding information from, uh, for those wondering, I'm using profootballreference.com as my source of information for both the current game as well as the previous games here. That game right there, the New England win was one of four out of the last five that New England has beaten Philadelphia. Interestingly enough, however, their last meeting, Eric, December 6th, 2015, a Philadelphia win in Foxborough. Yeah, it was one of those, I guess you would say, kind of quirky games. Philadelphia just had a good enough night that night, thankfully. Oh, I was so happy. I to say the quarterback for this game would have been Foles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would have been Sam Bradford. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was before the trade. That <clears throat> yeah, would have been Bradford. Sam Bradford, 14-24 for 120 yards and two scores. Oh, the back when he was a efficient and slightly less injury prone tom brady 29 out of 56 for 312 yards three touchdowns but two interceptions yeah something tells me we're not getting two interceptions from brady on sunday Mm. 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 one of those brady interceptions returned by malcolm jenkins the length of the field 99 yards (laughs) I feel like this would have been a Fox 4 o'clock game. It would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, uh, the Eagles were the visiting team. <clears throat> it would have been a Fox 425 kickoff. I have f- seen the official start time on Pro Football Reference. All right, anyway, just a little bit of interesting note there with the fact that the last time these two teams met, Philadelphia did win, but obviously most of the pieces in Philadelphia now are completely different. 
Oh, yeah. By a mile. So you guys ready to start previewing this Sunday's game? Let's do it. Sure. Let's. All right. So I'm going to kind of break this down by individual category here. I'm going to do my best to describe both offensively and defensively for both teams as well as special teams here. We'll start with the obvious position, that being quarterback here. As good as Nick Foles has been this postseason, I don't think there's any question the edge is New England here with Tom Brady, correct? Oh, hands down, especially I'm with taking Foles. Faction. I heard that, Jason. Go ahead. I'm listening. I'm taking Foles. I think he's going to have something to prove. I think... I think it's just going to be he's going to take advantage of the big stage. And we know Brady sucks at the NFC East, so <laughs> give me Foles. I want I want to give I'm going to give the edge to Foles. That that's not Brady because uh think about let like uh we just talked about uh the Eagles faced the Patriots in a Super Bowl and they lost. The Cowboys <laughs> faced the Patriots in a Super Bowl hey. and lost. Hey. Uh, hey, quit living the Giants, in the past. Only our Giants do well against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Hey, quit being Steeler fans and living in the past, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, I I give the edge to Brady hands down because of the experience factor. Um, as we've seen throughout this playoff, experience beats uh, beats youth. Um, we saw in the divisional round uh, with the with the matchup between um, uh, Atlanta and uh, and uh, L.A. You saw it. Um, you didn't see it in the Eagles game, which was surprising. You you know we were expecting a win for uh, we we were expecting a win for the Falcons, but they did not get it. Um, the the divisional round did break that trend, but you know I still think experience beats youth, especially in the Super Bowl. Given the choice of the two, I'm taking Brady here, and the reason I'm taking Brady, despite the fact that I have no love at all for the New England Patriots, is the fact that Brady knows what to expect in this game. Brady's been there. I believe they said this will be Brady's eighth Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. has which has to be the NFL record. It is. So this being Brady's eighth Super Bowl appearance here versus this being Nick Foles' first, you got to think that the shock and awe of the stage might get to Foles. I don't think Brady will have any such issues. Of course not. Can I go on record and say Foles will outperform Brady? You are on record as saying that. I'm, I'm, I'm making a – I'm going on record right now. Foles outperforms Brady. Mm-hmm. Let's move to running backs, shall we? Yep. I like how you just like take a deep breath and was like, okay, well, I, I really did mess up by adding this guy, didn't I? He's, he's a lunatic. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, it wasn't as bad as um, his, his reaction to my, my uh, warranted and correct prediction of UCF beating Auburn in the, uh, in the, Living in the past, Bisco. let's talk running backs here for this game as Jay Ajayi and LeGarrette Blunt, who would know the new England offense go up against the team of Dion Lewis and James White slash Rex. 
Got got to give this one to New England as well. See, I don't know if I agree with that. No, I I, give this edge to Philadelphia, especially with the fact that Ajayi has been running angry after uh, coming to the Eagles being traded from the Dolphins. He's shown that he is is just as powerful a runner as LeGarrette Blunt. Actually, let let me change that. I forgot. I forgot that Blunt was traded. I heard LeGarrette Blunt, and I automatically thought Patriots. So, yeah, Ajayi and Blunt, especially with the fact that Blunt has knowledge of the Patriots Patriots team, uh, yeah, you got to give the edge to the Eagles here. I think a lot of it goes back to what Eric just said there specifically about Jay Ajayi. I think he's the big game performer here for Philadelphia. He's the one that's going to have to step up. I think that New England is going to know how to stop LeGarrette Blunt. Jay Ajayi is the wild card because Ajayi has always been very inconsistent against the, pa- against the Patriots when he was at Miami. That's true. See, I'm, I'm going to go with Philadelphia simply because <laughs> uh, they remind me of the, um, the Giants when they had uh, Bradshaw and Jacobs. Blunt will pound you like Jacobs did, and Ajay is going to have something to prove, especially after the trade, and he's going to be that that one that breaks off a big play. You don't really have anybody that's going to that's that I feel honestly that can break off a big play for New England. You're going to have a check down, maybe a screen right route that they break, but just to have the ball in their hand and make the cuts and the break off a play, I'm going to give the edge to Ajay, and I'm going to think. Uh, Blunt's going with his knowledge and everything. They're going to be able to pound the ball down the Patriots' throat, wear that defensive line down, and it's going to be decided in the fourth quarter. And I think that'll help uh, the, the Eagles immensely, especially in the beginning of the game. Like I talked about earlier, with the experience factor uh, with um, with Nick Foles having. Uh, both Blunt and Ajayi there to, you know, kind of feel out the defense, let let Foles get his feet under him. Uh, I think that'll definitely help the Eagles early on in the game. Shall we now, move on? Well, just to close it out, one thing that I've also noticed, keep an eye on how the Eagles use LeGarrette Blunt because he's become much more of their third down and red zone back, and that's going to give much more of an advantage to the Patriots in that case. But overall, I still give that check mark to Philly. And I want to tell you, Philadelphia's got, this is a sleeper, uh, Clement is going to be a factor in this game. At thir- On a third down, I see him being... Him breaking something in this game to to set himself apart and give the Eagles a little cushion because they're going to be more concerned about a giant blunt. Clemens going to come out of backfield and do something spectacular. Referring to, of course, backup running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, Corey Clement. Let's move to the receiving course, shall we? Okay, for the record, we're going to do tight ends separately because that's going to merit its own conversation based on what happened in the Jacksonville-New England game. Everyone, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) The starting wide receiver listed for Philadelphia is Alshon Jeffrey, he formerly of the Chicago Bears, Torrey Smith, he formerly of the Rams, and Nelson Aguilar, 
The starting wide receiver listing for the Patriots are Brandon Cooks, formerly of the Saints, Chris Hogan, formerly of the Bills, because we didn't screw that one up or anything. (laughs) And the AFC most valuable player, Danny Amendola. I got to think that this one's kind of a wash. I don't really give any real advantage either way here. I think that when it comes to overall top wide receivers, um, you can make the argument that Amandola is Brady's favorite target over Cooks, and him and him and Alshon Jeffrey pretty much cancel each other out in terms of reliability, speed, and availability to get open. It's going to come down to Torrey Smith and Nelson Aguilar against Chris Hogan and Brandon Cooks, in my opinion. Yeah, I would. Well, I would agree with that to an extent. I definitely would take Amendola over um, over uh, Jeffrey, um, but I would say on an overall depth level, I would take the Eagles' receiving core over the Patriots. So if you're if you're just talking one on one top receiver over top against top receiver, I'd go with the Patriots. But overall receiving core, I would take Philly. So I'm going to go with Philly for this one. Eric? For me, I also consider it a bit of a wash because it's how these receivers fit within their system. With the Eagles, you have a much more traditional passing offense, a little bit more reliant on the deep threat. That's where receivers like Jeffrey and Aguilar shine. However, the Patriots don't even rely so much on the deep ball, but intermediate routes, running crossing patterns from the slot. And that's Mm -hmm. why Kevin Hogan and Damian Amendola fit perfectly within that system because that's the kind of receiver they look for. So it's really no difference between the two. Jason. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to have to agree on the wash. Uh, I think it's going to come down to who can get the um, instinct with the quarterback. I mean, New England's got Brady. I mean, Brady's arguably the best quarterback to play. But he knows his system. He knows his receiver. And I don't see any New England actually getting anything as a deep ball. Where Philadelphia is going to have to rely on the deep ball to try to stretch the field on New England to open up the running lane. So I, I want to say – the deciding factor is going to be actually uh, Aguilar because I think if he has a, if he can take some pressure and spread the field, I'm going to give the, I'd give the nudge to Philadelphia, but I don't see that happening. So I think it's going to come down to dink dunk passes. So I'm, I'm going to push. I, the, the reason I worry about Philadelphia's deep game, and I appreciate uh, you guys bringing this up here. The reason I worry about Philadelphia, Philadelphia's deep game, though, is let's be honest here. Starting four for the New England secondary, all four of them could pick Nick Foles. Malcolm Butler, who had the game-winning interception against Seattle. Stephon Gilmore, who granted has been very hit and miss in New England, but was a superstar in Buffalo. Devin McCourty's reputation speaks for itself, and Patrick Chung is widely considered to be one of the best hitters in the NFL at safety. Mm-hmm. That, Philadelphia, that Philadelphia receiving core trying to go deep against this secondary, I don't have high hopes for them. Well, that's going to be a very big matchup in this game, I think. 
I think what Jason said is accurate. It's going to come down to the dink and dunk passing game there of rather or not Foles can play ball possession with his receivers rather than going for the big hitters because I don't know that you want to test this New England secondary deep in man-on-man situations. Which definitely gives the edge to New England because they're much better at the dink and dunk. And especially if you're trying to do that late in the game when, say, you're down seven or ten points, then New England's going to have you covered like a blanket. Not to mention the fact that those New England, uh, the, the New England secondary is very short-handed when it comes to tackling as well. There is no Marcus Williams on the field for this game. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to tight end, shall we? And this is where the conversation gets interesting because straight up one-on-one between Zach Ertz and Rob Gronkowski. I'm taking Gronkowski, but I'm this be a 100% Rob Gronkowski. I was just about to say, is this a completely healthy Gronkowski, or is this just like just about every other Super Bowl where he's banged up? Jason, I'm going to let you go first here since you went last on the receiving core. Between Ertz, Ertz, and, Ertz. Say Ertz and, and Brent Selleck, because they're kind of a one-two punch at tight end for, new, for uh, I, Philadelphia. I'm, I'm, I want to take I want to take Ertz over Gronkowski. I know you guys are going to bash me for it, but I mean, Gronk is he he lets his emotions, I guess you could say, get the best of him in big games. I mean, and his or immaturity, his immaturity shines through. Hello, Buffalo Bills fans. Um, yeah, and, um, into one, and um, I think I think that this defense can get in his head and take him mentally out of the game and exploit, exploit that his immaturity in big games His so, and I think that, like I said, it goes back to the dink dunk passes. Ertz is a great blanket. Selick is also Selick's got decent hands, but Ertz is a big receiver. Foles is going to have to lean on that. Get those five yard, five to 10 yard intermediate, Short routes, and he's going to have to lean on Ertz. So I'm going to give the I'm going to give the, the edge to Philadelphia and Zach Ertz. Eric, I think it's not just Zach Ertz who's also very capable. Jason said getting those five ten hard or five ten yard hard routes. Brent Selleck is equally as capable. Now, are they the dynamic duo that the Patriots had back in the day with the Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez? No, they're not. But at the same time, they're very interchangeable. Whereas you don't have that same flexibility already starting with Gronk subpar dealing with concussion protocol. But you got a teeny bit of a drop off beyond that. And I think the Eagles would be paying attention to that in coverage more than not quite anything else, but it would be a significant factor. So I think especially if it's going to have to be a dink and dunk kind of a game, Eagles know that Doug Peterson's going to plan for that. And this is going to be a tremendous boost for that. So I'm going Philly with this one. Brandon. Yeah. I mean, I get what they're what both of you are saying um so it's just a a concussion protocol there isn't anything specifically wrong with Gronkowski nothing else that I've heard okay 
I mean, this is Bill Belichick we're talking about, so there could be something that he isn't revealing. But, you know, as long as Gronkowski is able to go at at least near 100%, I got to give the edge to the Patriots. But if he's not able to go at 100% or near 100%, then you've got to give the edge to uh, to Philly. Because like you guys were talking about, whereas the the Patriots really only have Rob Gronkowski for a tight end, I guess they have Dwayne Allen as well, but he's not exactly all that great uh, in terms of receiving. You have both Selleck and Ertz in for in there for Philly. And like we were talking about just a little while ago with the wide receiver game, the dink, the tight ends are great for dink and dunks. And you can easily set up plays where you have both Ertz and, uh, and Selleck on either side of the field going on some out routes just for uh, Wentz to just simply toss it to them. Or Foles, rather. Excuse me. I'm going to agree with Brandon here. What I'm going to say is that if this is a 100% Rob Gronkowski, I give the edge to New England. That being said, if Gronk is anything less than 100% coming into this game, then to me the edge goes to Zach Ertz and Brent Selleck. Because I feel like uh, Gronkowski is kind of Brady's security blanket. Mm-hmm. Amendola's that sure-handed wide receiver, but Gronk is the guy that Brady trusts to get the difficult yards when the time comes for him. If he has a fully healthy Gronk to get those yards, then I think that New England will have the opportunity to control this game offensively. If he does not have a fully healthy Gronk to do that, I don't necessarily know that he's going to be wanting to send a guy like Amendola being the size that he is on those same across-the-middle routes that he would send Gronkowski on. I would agree with that. Oh, absolutely. So to me, I'm going to call this a wash because I'm not entirely sure as to the health status of Rob Gronkowski. As I said, if he is a fully healthy Gronk, edge New England. If not, edge Philadelphia. Yeah, the the tight end game, whenever it comes to the Patriots, it's all depending upon Gronk. Let's talk line. Not really uh, people who get a whole lot of face time on either team on the offensive line here, including one of the hardest names to pronounce in football in Halapavati Vatai. Halapul. Hala Eric, some help here. Halapulavati. I'm looking it up. Just give me. I'm assuming you're right. Halapulavati Vatai. I knew it was Vitae. Yes. And then his Wisniewski partner on the left side isn't exactly easy to pronounce either. At least that one's a little easier. I honestly don't think you can give an edge based on either of the two starting offensive lines. In my opinion, the biggest name on either offensive line is is New England with Nate Solder. Yeah. But that being said, I don't think there's enough of an advantage one way or another when it comes to linemen. Agree or disagree? I, I would agree. have to agree with that. Agree. Jason? I agree. I'm right there with you guys. All right, let's move over to defense then, shall we? Philadelphia's system is where this gets interesting. Philadelphia plays a 4-2-5 on defense. Four linemen, two linebackers, five in the secondary. 
Two of the secondary people are the ones that I want to discuss specifically here for New England. And if you guys want to chime in with any of the other specific New England defenders, then by all means, feel free to do so. But the two New England defenders that I want to chime in specifically are the aforementioned Malcolm Jenkins, the one who had the 99-yard interception return against Brady in the regular season game that Philadelphia won 35-28. He is still the starting strong safety for the Eagles. In addition, Philadelphia got, in my opinion, one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the NFL this year and former Buffalo Bill, Ronald Darby, this offseason when they traded Jordan Matthews to Buffalo. Do you think that this is a secondary that can hang with these New England wide receivers, Eric? Uh, If we're talking, like, say, towards the outside, I don't think so. You're going to have to see a lot of press coverage and seeing especially those safeties creep up so they can control how the Patriots use those signature over-the-middle routes. If they can do that, I think they'll be fine. But if they're caught in any sort of position where they're giving up a big play, sorry, they're just going to be blown out of the gate. (laughs) Well, that's going to be the key for them is, you know, like we talked about before, mm-hmm. the Patriots are known for those dink and dunk passes, so they're going to want to creep up on the line. Um, but they have to be smart enough to know that if someone does start going deep, you need to be w- able to get back in time. Um, it's going to be tricky, but especially with that four two five, uh, you know the the nickel defense that they play all the time. Um, it's, it's going to help them in terms of the secondary game. Um, you could, you could potentially leave someone back. You could leave, you know, Rodney McLeod or Malcolm Jenkins back for that deep coverage, just in case someone does try to break out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they play, how they play this Patriots offense. I mean they've done they've done well uh throughout the season in terms of you know stopping other similarly prolific offenses. Jason, your thoughts? Um, I think it's going to be a matter of a, I don't think they're going to be able to contain them downfield. I think their best hope is to contain, try to keep those, uh, keep receivers in front of them and also try to make, make them get beat by missing the tackle, which is very, very possible. But like I said, I mean, I think the, their, their best their best hope is to keep receivers in front of them and limit big plays. Well, I, I the problem with that is that you you actually do have a game-breaking receiver, though, for New England and Brandon Cooks. Cooks is that deep-field threat that Brady hasn't traditionally had since the days of Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. Because Cooks was somebody who used to be who was a speedster down in New Orleans as well. Amendola is not really that that long distance threat. Amendola is more of that third down and five, third down and six, the guy that's going to get those difficult yards or that guy in the gold line, like we saw up against, uh, against Jacksonville in the fourth quarter. Amendola was the one with a pair of inside of the 10 yard line touchdown catches. 
I know, Eric. Bad memories. <laughs> uh, Sorry. I just... It, it's okay. It's okay. I'll get over it eventually. Hey, look at the bright. Turn out to be right. Look for the look at the bright side here, Eric. You guys were a top four team in the NFL this season. True. Now the question is, can we keep it together? Well, we'll have more discussion about that in our postseason debate there. But let's go ahead and switch over to the New England defense then, since we've kind of discussed the the Philadelphia defense. Now, New England plays a more traditional four three four three four. So I guess you would say they play a 4-3 defense. And to me, I talked about this earlier when we were discussing the New England, the uh, Philadelphia wide receivers, sorry, that to me the big, the, the big matchup for this game here is going to be Butler, Gilmore, McCourty, and Chung against the Philadelphia receivers. Although the person that I think to look out for here might be big game James and James Harrison. Yeah, I was going to say James Harrison is definitely a big X factor for this team uh, moving into this game. But yeah, I mean, I think the the main threat for this team is the left side of the offense or of the defensive line, and then the secondary, obviously. Eric, I, I personally think yes, the secondary. We've seen the secondary's exploits, especially guys like McCourty and Butler up the middle. Yes, while James Harrison shows that he can still bring pressure and still get into the quarterback's face, and Nick Foles will be no exception. I'm sorry. I think that this secondary has performed way too well in big games, and like a traditional defense, they know how to scheme and take away key components of traditional offenses. Here's an interesting stat, though, that may... uh put some doubt in some people's mind in terms of that uh vaunted secondary for the for the uh Patriots. They are third to last behind only I hate to say it, but the Giants and the Buccaneers this year in passing yards allowed. Mm. Well you think a lot of those yardage would come in garbage time though with teams trying to come back. That is true. At least that, that's how I would kind of justify that statistic if I were a New England fan, which God forbid that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, your thoughts on the Philadelphia Eagles, or the, excuse me, the New England Patriots defense? I think the New England Patriots defense is going to surprise. And uh, I think there's going to be, I think they'll give up a lot of, I think it's going to be the bend don't break. They'll give up a lot of yards, but they won't give up a lot of points. Uh like I said, I think they're going to – I don't think they're going to give up oh, – I say they give up two big plays, but once – they're, they're going to hold hold them to field goals rather than touchdowns in the red zone. I don't see Philadelphia being a – being very effective in the red zone. If, there's, if they get any – they put any major amount of points on the board, it's going to be because they broke a big play. Outside of that, I think I think New England's going to surprise and be a very stingy defense um, on scoring, but I do believe they'll give up the yardage, though. Yeah, that's another way to look at that stat line that I just gave. Is they were fifth in in points allowed this season, so they are a very bend but don't break type of defense. And as I said, a lot of that yardage probably came towards the tail end of games that were already decided. Yeah. 
That takes us to the final thing to discuss before we make our predictions, and that is special teams here. And in my opinion, this is the run instance in this game where New England has a decided advantage. As good as the kicker for Philadelphia has been this year, as good as, excuse me, Jake Elliott has been, Jake from State Farm. (laughs) The 61-yarder to beat the Giants. Sorry, Brandon. Uh, And apparently Jason, too. (laughs) He is not Steven Guskowski. Oh, he is not. Guskowski may be the best kicker in the NFL right now, and if he's not the best, he's certainly in the conversation. I I think him and another former uh, New England kicker. Terry? Yes. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. So much love. (laughs) And not, not only that, but like we talked about with the quarterback situation, you would much rather have a kicker that has been in this type of situation in a late game, last minute kick than a a guy who how is this Elliot's rookie year or how many years yes. has he? Yeah, this this rookie yeah, season. Yeah, that's what I thought. I would much rather have an experienced kicker who knows that type of situation and seems to thrive under it, like Goskowski than a rookie when it comes to a crucial last-minute kick in the Super Bowl. Jason? Uh, I'm going to give special teams uh, completely there. New England, uh, Goskowski is going to be huge. Uh, Elliot, I don't think he's going to be ready. I think it's going to be the big stage is going to get to him, nerves. And everything. And I mean, Carson Wentz actually owes a game check to him. So I think <laughs> that, that may, that may factor in as well. But, um, I think, I, like I said, I mean, like, like you said, Kaskowski is probably one of the best kickers in the NFL, if not the best. So you got to go with the experience in that. I mean, if the game comes down to a, the side of the field goal, I would not want, I would rather have, him than Elliot kicking any day of the week. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, that I think is going to play a factor as well, and then, Eric, I'll get to your thoughts on this real quick, too, is the fact that Philadelphia has the same person that returns kickoffs and punts in Kenyon Barner. New England has Dion Lewis and Danny Amendola returning kickoffs and, and punts, respectively. I think that is a decided advantage to New England should anything happen to Barner. That takes away your, your big returner from both kicking games rather than just losing one or the other in the instance of Lewis or Amendola. Eric? Well, not to mention the fact that that would play in New England's strategy even more. Just aside from Goskowski and making big field goals, look at the special teams if you're on New England's side, knowing that, okay, I'm only going to have to deal with one guy. Say if I'm, especially early in the game, punting, I know, yeah, maybe I aim for the coffin corner a couple of times or... Maybe on big returns, if there's some penalty, if there's any way to potentially re-kick or do something like that, get him a little bit more tired 
as the game goes on. That way you give yourself that extra edge if it does become a battle of field position. All right, guys, we just spent the better part of the last hour breaking down this game. It's now time come to the time where we make our official kickoff Super Bowl predictions. I will have full-on end-of-the-season stats for everybody once we get to next week's show, because I'll, I'll factor in this one as well. So I will have that for everybody next week, hopefully, if not next week in time for our awards show in two weeks. New guy, I'm starting with you. Jason, what okay. is your prediction with score for Super Bowl 52, Philadelphia versus New England? Official prediction. Eagles, 17. New England, 14. Decided by a last uh, a two-minute drive score by J.J. of a run 20 yards plus. We go to our executive producer, Sean Garmer, assuming he's actually paying attention to us. <laughs> Probably not. Is exactly a done deal at the particular moment. Sean, are you with us? Yes. It is, a, it is official prediction time, sir. Final score? Uh, Patriots... 27 Eagles 20 Okay, we'll go back around once we're done with our score predictions because we're going to pick MVP as well. So that takes us to Eric. Now, I mentioned 2007 a little early <laughs> in the show. Let's think back to that season. The Jaguars made the playoffs, had to go to Pittsburgh in cold weather, won by three points, only to go to New England as the number one seed the following round, hang tough, score 20 points, but eventually lose, helping propel New England to a Super Bowl against a team from the NFC East. We all know what happened in that Super Bowl. Hmm. That, are you, go ahead. Are you getting a sense of deja vu all over again, Eric? There's a part of me that wants to, especially since I got a $20 bet on this game. <laughs> However, if there was any bit of a time to break history, this would be it. I think Brady has one more comeback in him. Then I get my wish of Bill Belichick laying waste to the organization and riding off into the sunset. Wingland 21, Philadelphia 16. Yeah, we kind of forgot to compare the coaching staffs, but I guess technically speaking, we can do that during the course of our predictions as well. So, Brandon, who you got? Ah. Uh... I'm. I gotta go with the Patriots here. I'm gonna say twenty-eight. I'm gonna say twenty-eight sixteen. I almost feel bad for bringing Sean in to do the predictions right now because he almost verbatim stole my final score. <laughs> 
This is a classic case of head versus heart to me. Same. My heart wants Philadelphia to win this game. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're a Giants fan. You're biased. Shut up. Exactly. I'm I'm sure. I'm a Giants fan. I'm a Giants fan. I picked the Eagles. Which I'm shocked at. Well, I think he's looking at it from another perspective, too. If an Eagles win, it gives the NFC South or the NFC East the only division where all four teams hold a Super Bowl victory. You are correct, sir. Yep. That is true. That being said here, this game is going to come down to late game management. And when this game comes down to late game management, for as good as Nick Foles played against Minnesota, and for as good as Nick Foles has played since he stepped in for Carson Wentz when Wentz went down with the season-ending injury against the Rams, Nick Foles is not Tom Brady. Thank God. New England 27, Philadelphia 20. Who's your MVP, Jason? My MVP? I'm going to go out on a limb. I want to say my MVP is going to be Nelson Aguilar. Sean, MVP. Eric. Similar limb, different team. Kevin Hogan. Wow. Chris Hogan? Or Chris Hogan, yes. Let's say Kevin Kevin's gonna be in the stands watching. If he gets MVP, I'll pay you a hundred dollars. <laughs> hey, given these referees, we've seen crazier things happen, okay? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Brandon. Uh, you can't discount Tom Brady. I think he gets another MVP. I think it'll be a New England wide receiver, and I think it will become, uh, and I do believe, the first player this century to pull off the championship game Super Bowl double. My MVP for Super Bowl 52 is Danny Amendola. Guys, it all comes down to this. We have one game left in the calendar year for the football season here. It will be December, or excuse me, December, what the? <laughs> it will be. Man, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's Kevin Hogan. <laughs> it, will be, it will be February 4th at 4, at 6. Uh, good God. Oh my. <laughs> It'll be at some point. It will be February 4th at 6.25 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Unfortunately, Chris Collinsworth on the call. Oh, God. But on the plus side, we do get Al Michaels. Yeah. Not to mention um, one of those two Super Bowl wins, if I remember correctly, Eli over Brady was an NBC game. It was. Yes. All right, real quick before we get out of here, because I, I kind Eric brought this up. We didn't get a chance to talk about it during the predictions for the show here. So real quick before we get out of here, Jason, buy or sell. This is Belichick's sunset in New England. Uh, I'm going to buy it. I think Belichick's gone. I think if, especially if they win, I think Belichick uh, has a classic press conference uh, exposing his hatred, his real true hatred for Robert Kraft. And he rides off to the sunset, and he goes on to coach elsewhere. I think he'll set out. At, I think he'll set out at, at least a year, just to soak up and 
write a tell-all book about the the Illuminati in <laughs> New England. But I think I think he's he he's gone after this year, especially if Patriots wins, he's gone. Eric, you kind of made your prediction to this known when you did your prediction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to seal it. I say he's been preparing way too much this season, setting all of this up, especially with Patricia and Daniels helping them. Been a dramatic change, get jobs after this. He's made his, in a variety of ways, displeasure for having to trade Jimmy Garoppolo known. I think for this point, he's done. And then he'll be down here in a place like Jupiter or Doral playing golf. Do we see the reign of Bill Belichick, NFL NFL Today analyst or Fox NFL Sunday analyst? No. <laughs> no. He, he, he doesn't have the social like skills. <laughs> Brandon, as I attempt not to die over here, buy or sell that this is Belichick Swanson in New England. Uh. If they win, then yes, I I think so. Unless Robert Kraft just like throws a ridiculous amount of money at him. I'm going to sell that this is it for Belichick. I think Belichick is going to win at least one or two more years in New England in order to prove that it wasn't all about the people that were immediately underneath him. I think he's going to want to prove that this was not all Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia's doing as well with his, as his coordinators. And I don't think that he's going to leave Brady in the lurch by himself having to adjust to a completely new system in the offseason. I do think the end is coming nigh for Bill Belichick in New England, but I don't think this game will be it. See, I, I, wanna, I want to jump in real quick. Do you think that he might want to expose Brady being a product of the system and leave just to do that, just to stick it to Kraft and Brady? See, I wouldn't be surprised that if Belichick leaves, then Brady calls it a career as well. I mean, the man is going to be 41 by the time the next season starts. If Belichick leaves, I wouldn't be surprised if Brady retires as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did. He did sign. Brady did sign a a, a lucrative deal for the Rascal Scooter. <laughs> you know, and um, osteoporosis does creep up on you. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just saying, but I want to piggyback on Jason's point here. Look back to the Monday night game, and I've said this on past episodes: Patriots at the Dolphins. A Belichick coached that game, especially a primetime game, a lot different than he normally does with those games. Kind of leaving Brady on his own. And this was when the Garoppolo trade was much, much more fresh in everybody's mind. I think he's been sending way too many messages in all the Alex Guerrero's and TB12 methods in the world. They don't help you when a 300-pound guy comes and breaks your hip. You want to play till you're 45, this is what you're putting up with. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Indeed it will. We have one last game in the 2017-2018 calendar season, and then... When we return next week, we will have our Super Bowl wrap-up show. It is undecided whether our awards show will be 214 or 221. 
because it is entirely possible that that may get delayed a week due to prior plans for myself. Well, not to mention Valentine's Day, so, yeah. (laughs) Well, I think those are said prior plans Harry is talking about. Yeah, but uh, just trying to make it clear. He's got plans, Jason does, I do with getting drunk, potentially. (laughs) Who says I'm not getting drunk? Okay. My wife can be my DD. Okay. Let me rephrase. You'll be getting drunk with someone. <laughs> Maybe. You'll be getting drunk with someone too, Eric. It just might be somebody you just met. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. Everybody needs somebody. Hmm. <laughs> for, for, if only hey, I Eric. could tell the stories. That's all I'm going to say. Eric. For my single days, best advice, lower your standards, raise your score. <laughs> Believe and beauty, beauty is only a light switch away. Oh, trust me, Jason. I've got <laughs> stories. <laughs> well, <laughs> that sounds like a podcast in itself. <laughs> it usually is. Yeah, I might, we, to, I might have to hop in on something like that. <laughs> we, sure we, sure we can't have this conversation on air. This is a family-friendly network. <laughs> I'm talking family. <laughs> so I'm, I'm nice to my family. <laughs> so, with that being said, we hope you join us next week for our season finale, football action-wise if not necessarily the last time talking about the season since we're going to do an awards show afterwards, for the season finale of NFL action here on the kickoff. So I want to thank the newest member of our group, Jason Teasley. Jason, welcome aboard, sir. Thank you. And just always remember, everyone, it's not easy being Teasley. Oh, my God, groan. (laughs) Hey, it's hard hard work looking this good, son. (laughs) Eric Watkins, where else can people find you here? Oh, well, when I am not on the kickoff, you can find me and our awesome executive producer, Sean Garmer, on football to the max, soccer to the max. And uh, now that Jason's mentioned it, I might have to take him up on his offer and bring him in on an episode of Point of Viewer. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Plus... As the season is winding down and the off-season approaches, be prepared to see a lot more of my musings on RaiderRamble.com. Brandon? You can listen to myself and Harry and Liz Puglisi on the SmackDown Live review and 205 Live review and Mixed Match Challenge review on Tuesday nights. Uh, and then Jason and myself are starting a new fantasy football podcast that will more than likely debut sometime next week. Not sure on an official date yet, uh, but stay tuned for that. And, uh, and, uh, Harry and I will more than likely be starting a new, uh, wrestling podcast about the Monday Night Wars called How the War Was Won sometime in the near future as well. I also have Wrestling Unwrapped here on the W2M Network. Myself and Patrick Ketzer review older shows, including independent wrestling DVDs, as well as older WWF, WCW, and ECW pay-per-views. In addition, 
Like Brandon said, I am on the SmackDown and 205 Live weekly reviews here on the W2M Network. Every now and then, I fill in on the Raw and NXT reviews. I also have the Raw Reaction every Monday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern on the Chairshot Radio Network with 411 Mania's Tony Acero and Chairshot Radio's Andrew Ballas. So for our executive producer, Mr. Sean Garmer, the newest member of our panel, Jason Teasley, my co-host since the beginning, Brandon Biscabing, and our producer-turned-co-host, Eric Watkins, I am Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to this episode of The Kickoff here on the W2M Network, available online at w2mnet.com. Enjoy the game on Sunday, everybody. We'll talk to you next Wednesday night. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.